I will be reading from Daniel, the third chapter, verses 8 through 23. At this time, some astrologers came forward and denounced the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, May the king live forever. Your majesty has issued a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music must fall down and worship the image of gold, and that whoever does not fall down and worship will be thrown into a blazing furnace. But there are some Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you. Your majesty, they neither serve your gods nor worship the image of, your, of gold you have set up. Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king. And Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of the gold I have set up? Now, when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his attitude toward them changed. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual and commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So these men, wearing their robes, trousers, turbans, and other clothes, were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. The king's command was so urgent and the furnace so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. Welcome to Community Christian Church. Especially if you're a guest with us today, we want to welcome you and just share with you that we appreciate you being here. If and when you hear something that uh, you, you like today that moves you, resonates with you, we invite you to share that on our social media so others who didn't make it today can see what we had going on here. This is week number four of our Vacation Bible School series. We're calling it Camp Community. And we've taken the theme and the five lessons that we're going to be teaching to the kids at VBS starting a week from tomorrow. And we've turned those into five sermons to share for these five Sundays leading up to VBS. 
So we started with Ian. He talked about Joshua leading the nation of Israel across the river into the promised land. Uh, week two, we talked about, Dusty talked about Abraham and Isaac going up the mountain. Isaac was going to be the sacrifice, and God provided the sacrificial ram to take his place. Week three, we talked about Moses and the bush that didn't burn up, even though it was on fire, and God spoke to Moses through that burning bush. And so today, we're ready for week four. It is Daniel chapter three. We're talking about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And our theme for the day If you are a note taker, I like taking notes, I like filling in those blanks, but I like some open space so I can write all my other notes that I I like to hear. I mentioned sharing it on social media. If you hear something you like, write it down in some of that open space on the back of the bulletin. But if you're a note taker, you'll notice that there are six blanks, and I'm going to give you three of them right now, which means the sermon is almost halfway over. (laughs) The theme for today's lesson, today's sermon, God is faithful. And because God is faithful, we can worship him. And as I'm talking about worship, we're talking about uh, our mission statement out in the foyer. Love God, love people, live God's plan. This is love God. This is what we're talking about. Living our lives in a way to show God that we love him. That's worship. So you uh, may have had some uh, interest peaked when you saw me carrying out the ladder. How many of you saw the ladder on the back of the stage and thought, who left that there? right? Maybe in second service, it's not quite as as, uh, surprising if you maybe were around towards the end of first service, but uh, it was on purpose. So I want to talk to you just a little bit about the concept of a vantage point. And all the ladies who were about my mom's age came up after first service, and they were so concerned that I was up here, I wasn't holding on, and they were so It's okay, I'm used to being up here, I'm on a ladder quite often, it's not a big deal. So you can rest easy. But I want to talk to you about vantage point. As I'm sitting or standing up here, it is a different vantage point of what I can see you than it is down there. And if you fall asleep and I stay up here, I'll see it a little easier. So, And I said that in first service and then sure enough in the middle of the sermon I picked out two or three that were asleep including Sharice Beckham's little, little baby, and she posted that on Facebook, and Paul's listening to, or uh, uh, baby's listening to Paul's sermon, falling asleep already, so. But let me illustrate it this way. Uh, I love watching basketball games, uh, whether it's live here at, at uh, the Tiger Dome and watching the Tigers play or on TV watching the Jayhawks. Uh, I love watching from this vantage point, up at the top, in the middle, where I can see everything on the court, both ends of the court. I hate it on TV when they switch to that end view and you're looking at the game from behind the basket. Put it back on this vantage point. That's what I want. Thank you, Dusty. All right, so uh, I, I have refereed very few games, but when I sit up here, watch it on TV, watch it uh, up high in the middle, I'm a great referee, right? So uh, a couple years ago, the Fort Scott High School basketball team was hosting a booster club tournament for kids, and they were short, they were desperate, so they called me, asked me to come and help. And as I was refereeing that game, I thought, man, this is, this is tough right down here with the kids, having that vantage point. I love this vantage point, watching the game. I am su- such a better referee when, when that happens. Uh, another way to illustrate this, if you're a hunter, there's a reason when you have your deer stand that it's not that high off the ground. Right? You want to have a higher vantage point so you can see that deer coming. There's another way that I want to illustrate that, but I'm going to hang this sign real quick. 
before I get down. And all of you who are holding your breath until I walk down. Is Marcy in here? She was one of them. There's another way I want to illustrate this. The game of chess. Dad and mom are here sitting back uh, on the fourth row. And dad taught me how to play chess when I was a kid. And I I love playing chess. Uh, It teaches you about strategy and reacting to your opponent and planning a few steps ahead. And it just really intrigues your brain as you play the game of chess. So he taught me at a young age. And uh, I might pause right here and tell you that the last time we played, I won. So he's taught me well. It's been two or three years. I haven't wanted to play since, so I didn't break my streak. But vantage point, if I am the pawn, the smallest piece on the board, then I have one vantage point, but everybody around me is taller than me. If I have the vantage point of the king, I'm taller than everybody else, the most important piece on the board. This is the one that has a better vantage point. He can see over the little pawns, and he can kind of see what's going on. But in a game of chess, the one who has the best vantage point is the players. They can see the board, they know what's going on, they can, they can make these moves in advance. So I want to switch gears and go to the, the game of life. In the game of life, if this little pawn is us, then that's God. That's his vantage point, that's his perspective. And so when I think about the, the, the game of life, and I think about his perspective his vantage point compared to my, my lowly position as a little pawn in his grand plan. It leads me to want to worship. When I remember my position compared to him, it makes me want to worship him more. And so as I'm living my life in worship, it's going to lead us to three things. And these are going to be the other three things in your, the blanks on your sermon outline. We'll get to those here in a second. So we're going to start with a story in the book of Daniel. Turn to the book of Daniel. In the prophets of the Old Testament, after Psalms, a few books. Turn to the book of Daniel, a little background about Daniel. The nation of Judah, King Nebuchadnezzar from the Babylonians, had marched in and taken captive the nation of Judah. He had, had uh, sieged, besieged the, the city of Jerusalem, and he left the poor to kind of fend for themselves there in Judah. And he took with him the rich and the royal class. And what he wanted to do was take them to Babylon and slowly assimilate them into the culture and the religion and the language of Babylonia, eventually turn them into Babylonians. That was his plan. And so uh, as they were in Babylon, they, they weren't like the slaves in Egypt who were forced to, to uh, make bricks and, and whipped if they weren't working fast enough. They lived nearly normal lives. I'm going to have Billy Joe put on the screen here a Jeremiah 29 text. You can go at some point, write that down in your notes and go back and read Jeremiah 29, 4 to 14, and it will give you just a little background. That's the, the chapter that talks about that famous verse from chapter 29, verse 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Those of you who are seniors getting ready to graduate or you just graduate, you probably got a card that had that verse on it, right? It's a very familiar. It's a verse that's actually directed to the people of Judah in exile at this time right here. We're talking about 605 BC when this happened. And then we can turn to the book of Daniel and we can read about these special men that he, Nebuchadnezzar, wanted to train for his service. So let's go to Daniel chapter 1, verse 3 through 5. 
Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, the chief of his court officials, to bring in some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility, young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table, and they were to be trained for three years. And after that, they were to enter the king's service. We're going to talk about those four guys that were, that were mentioned, mentioned in that text. Those, these people that are coming up to be in the king's service. I guess we actually get their names in a few verses here later. But first of all, let's go to uh, number one on your outline, if you're writing it down. The word community. When I am living my life in worship to God, I recognize his vantage point compared to mine. It's going to lead me to want to be a part of community. We are created to be in community with God. We are uh, created to have relationships with him or relationships with other people. He did not design us to come and be by ourselves. Okay, so we are created to be in community. And so we we see this community in Daniel chapter one, as we read on in verses six through seven. Among these were some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael and Azariah. The chief official gave them the new names to Daniel, the name Belteshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach and to Azariah, Abednego. Or if you're familiar with veggie tales, the way I like to remember them, Rack, Shack and Benny, right? I told myself I was not going to call them that all sermon long. So these guys are in community together. They have solid relationships with each other, these four. They are tight. They lean on each other. They keep each other accountable. They serve each other. They do life together. We see, in, as we read on in Daniel chapter 1, there's this eating contest, and they stand together in this eating contest. We'll talk more about that later. In Daniel chapter 2, the king comes to Daniel and says, I hear you can interpret dreams. And Daniel says, nope, it's not me, it's God. And so he, the, the king wanted him to interpret his dream. First of all, he wanted him to tell him what his dream was and then interpret it. And so he went back to his friends and he said, pray with me. He went to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Pray with me that God will give me the message that, that I need to tell the king so we're not killed. That's kind of a good, uh, good incentive there. Okay. Ronald Wallace wrote a commentary on Daniel. He says, it is almost impossible for anyone to maintain a vital faith in God and a strong witness to his ways in life apart from the strength and the wisdom and the fellowship that comes from within a community. So let's talk about our community here. This is the VBS series. And before this series started, I sent a a video of me, uh, just a three and a half minute video uh, kind of introducing this, this VBS series. I hate watching myself on video. You don't have to watch it if you don't want to. But there are two questions that I brought up. First of all, what are your passions? And secondly, with what talents and abilities has God gifted you? Because he gave those to you for a reason. He wants you to use them. He wants you to get plugged in with our community here in Fort Scott, Bourbon County. Use those gifts and abilities for his glory to further his kingdom. That's what worship is all about. It's not just coming here on a Sunday morning and we sing a few songs and pray together and then we leave, leave out the doors and, and our lives aren't changed and we're a different person out there than we are in here. It's living every single day in whatever aspect of life we're in for him, using what he's given us. And so as we're talking about this VBS series, first thing, I'm obviously going to take advantage of the opportunity to uh, make a plug for how much help we need for VBS. 
You can look in your bulletin. There's a green insert in there. It's got two sides to it. On one side, it lists four ways that you can be involved with VBS. Number one, we have just a handful more of yard signs. If you don't have a yard sign in your yard and, and you think it might be a place where people can, can uh, see the dates and everything about VBS, grab one of those as you go out. Number two, sign kids up, your kids, your grandkids, your neighborhood kids. Convince people to come and be a part of that. This is an incredible week. I don't like the work that it takes necessarily to get to it, but the week itself is amazing because we get to teach 250, 275 kids about these Bible stories, but more specifically about the gospel of Jesus. It's a very powerful week. And so sign your kids up, sign your neighborhood kids up, your grandkids, whoever. Number three, donate. We have the t-shirt chart hanging on the window out in the foyer. The sticky notes that are left on there represent dollar amounts that we would still love to have donated to help us accomplish Vacation Bible School. So if you would be interested in donating, grab one of those and, and turn that in with that amount of money. And whatever we raise beyond the t-shirts will help to cover the other costs for the week. And finally, volunteer. You turn the the insert over, you can see all the the different people we need, the number of people we still need as we're just barely a week out. We would love for you to sign up. We have a workers' meeting tonight and tomorrow night. Uh, We need you to come to one or the other if you're one of those three areas of uh, uh, volunteers that's listed there at the bottom of of that insert. There's one other way that you can get involved with VBS. We put up a sign-up list prior to last Sunday if you'd be interested in feeding our missionary. I was excited about this, this uh, missionary we met at camp from the, the country of Ghana over in Africa. And so I want to introduce him to you, his family to you right now. Hi, Community Christian Church. I'm Austin. I'm Amanda, and this is Harrison, and we're the Ganyo family. We serve as missionaries in Ghana, West Africa, with an organization called Training Tomorrow's Leaders. And we are your VBS missionaries, and we can't wait to hang out with you guys soon. God bless you. Harrison had to get his word in, right? So that's VBS, and we've been talking about VBS a lot over the last four weeks. We've also been focused on our CIY students. We've had the posters up for you to sign up. Ian mentioned that in his announcement a little bit ago. And what he said from here this morning is what I heard from Kara through the week. She was with them as a sponsor, and I heard about how well things were going. And I know that's not a coincidence. It's because we surrounded them as their community, and we prayed for them. And we prayed for them ahead of time. We had a great send-off last week at the end of second service. And we prayed for them through the week. And as Ian has said, we want you to continue to pray for those students. They had a very impactful week. They, they put down their defenses and they started opening up, from what I understand, earlier than normal, correct? And so uh, it was, it, it's always, you know, it takes a few days, but it was, our, it was only night two and they were ready to put those down, down those defenses and start opening up about things going on in their lives. And God was moving in a powerful way. And it's because of God answering our prayers. And so that's more about our community. So I want to encourage you to use those passions and those talents and those abilities to make an impact in community. The second line, conviction. When I'm living in worship to God and I recognize that that's vantage point, that position of him compared to me, I'm going to have conviction. I'm going to make decisions based on the truth of his word. Daniel chapter 3, go ahead and turn over to there. Sandy, I appreciate you reading from verses 8 to 23. Let me back up to to tell you about the first seven verses. King Nebuchadnezzar has built this golden image, 90 feet tall, 9 feet wide. 
rather tall, skinny thing, if you ask me. But he said, at the sound of all those musical instruments, everybody here needs to bow down and worship this image. And so the music started, and everybody bowed down except for Rackshack and Benny, right? And so when Sandy started reading in verse 8, it talks about these whistleblowers who ran to King Nebuchadnezzar to tattletale. They said, those Jews, they started pointing fingers, those Jews that you placed in leadership positions, they didn't bow down. And Nebuchadnezzar, he was furious, and he came to them and he said, is this true? Will you not bow down? Did you not hear the part about the fiery furnace? And so they, again, refused. And I I love their response, because in verse 15, he ends his statement with, then what God will be able to rescue you? And I can just see Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They're saying, what God? I'll tell you what God. Our God. He's the one who can save us. And so they respond with these words in chapter 3, verse 16. Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it, and he will rescue us from your hand, O king. But even if he does not, We want you to know, O king, that we will not serve our gods, your gods, or worship the image of gold you have set up. Tim Keller, in his sermon about these three guys, he says, basically, this is what they're saying. We will serve and love and trust God for himself, not because of what he gives us. We're not going to trust God and love God and worship God because of him plus this plus that and all these other stipulations we add to it. He said, basically, they're saying maybe he will rescue us from death, but for sure he will rescue us through death. And so the question I want to ask is, where did they get this strength? And here's what just kind of blew my mind as I was researching this, because um, I found out, I didn't know this, these guys were teenagers when they came to Babylon. Some even say they could have been as, as young as 12 these men that they were training for service. So we're talking about these guys right here that just got back from CIY, middle school and high school students in the room. This isn't Paul at 41 years old saying no to King Nebuchadnezzar. These, These are teenagers taking a stand and saying, no, we will not bow down to your image. They were convicted to do the right thing. So I, I'm thinking about where did, they, where did this come from? First of all, it came because of their relationship with God, their worship, their faith in God. They recognized their position compared to his, and that gave them strength. And number two, community. All three of them were facing this choice. Any one of them could have said, nope, I'm out of here, and left the other two on their own. They didn't. All three of them stood firm and said, no, we will not bow down to your image. And they also had the example of their buddy Daniel, who wasn't in this part of the story in Daniel 3, not sure where he was, but they learned from his example in leadership back in chapter 1. That's the eating contest I was telling you about. Daniel chapter 1, verse 8, the first three words, but Daniel resolved. He made up his mind ahead of time. He predetermined, I'm only going this far. That's the line in the sand. I'm not going any further. He was convicted. And they saw that. And they got to be a part of it because they were in community with him. James Corden preached a a sermon on these these guys and, and specifically Daniel. He says, Daniel stood for the right things in the right way at the right time. And that's the kind of guy that they had in their community. Andy Stanley, go ahead and put up the picture here. Andy Stanley wrote a a book called Guardrails. 
and guardrails, avoiding regrets in your life. And the guardrail, you know what a guardrail is. It keeps your car from going over the cliff, right? A little bit of damage to your car to keep the car from rolling and you dying and all that, right? And so he says, these guardrails, we need to set them up in our lives. We draw the line and then right before it, there's the guardrail. We will not go past here. And that's what Daniel did in chapter 1 along with his three buddies. And that's what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego have done in chapter 3. We're not going any further than this. Sorry, king. You can change our names. You can move us to Babylon. But we will not bow down to your image. Crosses the line. Not going there. So we need guardrails like that. There's another great theologian I want to quote on TV. Kiefer Sutherland. He's known as Jack Bauer in the, in the series 24. Any 24 fans here? Not very many. I love 24. I've watched every episode. But in the very first episode, here's a picture of him up on the screen in case you're not sure who that is. He says, you can look once or look the other way once and it's no big deal, except it makes it easier for you to compromise the next time. And pretty soon that's all you're doing is compromising because that's how we, you, you think things are done. You know those guys I blew the whistle on? You think they were bad guys? Because they weren't. They weren't bad guys. They were just like you and me, except they compromised once. Compromise is the opposite of conviction. We have way too much compromise in our world today because there aren't enough of us who stand on the truth of God's word. And that's the great thing we get to do at VBS is teach kids about what's in God's word and to stand for it. This is our guardrail. I will not go past what God has said about this topic or this topic or this topic. You think of any hot topic in our world today that deals with sin. Why is it a hot topic? There's this conflict going on right now. It's because sometime previously, somebody compromised on it. And that's kind of where our society is going. And many, many societies have done the same thing in the, in the past, in history. Uh, Casting Crowns calls it the slow fade. They have a song named that. The chorus goes like this. It's a slow fade. When you give yourself away, it's a slow fade when black and, black and white are turned to gray. And thoughts invade and choices are made and a price will be paid when you give yourself away. People never crumble in a day. It's a slow fade. We're talking about one degree of separation from the truth. And eventually it ends here. We're way off track. We need conviction to stay where the truth is. That's what we're talking about today. There are a couple of verses. I want to put this up on the screen. You can jot these down. Uh, I'm not going to take time to read them right, right now. Uh, one from Deuteronomy and four from Psalm 119. So I want to ask you, when the finger is pointed at you, when the finger is pointed at me, am I resolved? Have I made up my mind? Have I predetermined? Have I set up my guardrail that says I won't go across that line based on the truth of God's word? We need to not compromise. We need to love God first. We need to stand on the truth of his word. We need conviction. Now, I kind of left you hanging the scripture reading. They fell into the fire, and that's where we stopped. If you're not familiar with the story, oh no, what happened, right? Cliffhanger, that's where we are. But before I jump into the the last little part of the story, um, if you saw that video, I introduced this idea of Uh, Me as a pyromaniac when I was a kid. Mom and dad are here. They can attest to this. I don't know that they know this story, actually. But we were at Jack's Steakhouse. They had a wedding reception. Dusty was youth minister when I was in high school down in Pittsburgh. So he and Amy were there. 
there's this, this girl that was my age. Her, uh, she still is my age, by the way. Uh, she, she, I knew I was going to say that. Uh, she had an older brother who was getting married, so she had invited a friend, and that friend had invited me, and so the five of us were there. And we were sitting at this table, and of course, you know, they, they decorated, and they, they had a fire in the middle of it, and, you know, dumb teenager Paul, pyromaniac, couldn't help himself. So I started uh, taking my napkin, and I just thought, oh, I wonder what would happen. How, how close can I get before this thing catches on fire? I'm not going to do it here. We don't need that. But... It caught on fire, and I was like, uh, okay. So I just dropped it on my plate. It's a styrofoam plate. Okay, so I'm going to be smart here. I know Dad's a science teacher. I was sitting in his class just a couple days ago, talked about oxygen. You snuff out the oxygen, it can't burn anymore. So I take another styrofoam plate, and I put it over the top. Brilliance, right? And so all of a sudden, we have this flame on our table that's uh, uh, quite large, and I, I'm not sure how tall it really got. Uh, I told Dusty when we were going to talk about this series that I had dibs on the story. He could fill in blanks from his vantage point next week if he wants to, but uh, I'm sure he has a different perspective there. But that's my story about fire and vantage point. It really doesn't connect us to the third blank on your paper, but that's where we're headed. So the third one is contagious. When I'm living in worship to God, I recognize his vantage point, his position compared to mine. It leads me to have a faith that is contagious. I want to be contagious. So let's go back to the the rest of the story. Turn to Daniel chapter 3, verse 24. King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, certainly, O king. He said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So they came out of the fire, and the satraps and prefects and governors and royal advisors crowded around them, and they saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair of their heads singed. Their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be cut into pieces and their houses be turned into piles of rubble. For no other god can save in this way. In verse 15, he said, What god? And now he's changed his tune. He's saying, the most high God, praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. No other God can save in this way. I thought it was interesting that it says Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet. He changed his vantage point. He was sitting. He leaped to his feet to see a little better because he saw these three guys not being harmed, not being consumed, similar to the burning bush of last week. And there was a fourth being there. And some would say this was not just an angel, it was actually God incarnate, Jesus, we could say, that showed up to save them from the fiery furnace because of their worship and their faith and what God wanted to do through this example. But it was contagious. Their worship and their faith was contagious. And so Nebuchadnezzar, you can see his journey of faith, even in this chapter, going from what God to praise God, the Most High. 
because their faith and their worship was contagious. Now, it is no secret that our church has been through the fire, still is in the fire. Had a hearing earlier this week, another article in the paper. It's been a tough three months. We know that. And yet that excites me in some ways because it makes me wonder, why now? And as I look around the room and I think about the people in my community in this church, I think about the people who are going through their own personal fires. Man, it seems like there are a lot in this last three months. Why now? But that excites me. And it makes me think of this. We gave away over 350 of these through the course of the first few months of this year, and we had people reading their Bible every day. And I think, this is just my theory, but I think that Satan started to get scared of us here. And yet the very thing that scared Satan and caused him to attack as a church, attack us personally in all these different ways, whether it's finance or health or relationships or jobs or you name it, the very thing that made Satan scared of us now and maybe not before. That's what excites me. But the very thing is also the thing that's going to help us through it. The truth of God's word allows us to move beyond this. Not praying that God would take this away, but God change us in the midst of it. It's all about the vantage point. When we put him where he belongs and put us Where we belong, we can remember he's still on the throne. He's got this. Let me give you some some encouraging words from God's word. Here here are four verses I'm going to put up on the screen. I'm going to just read them real quick. You can write them down while you're listening. 1 Peter 4.12 Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. This is expected. It's what happens. Jesus promised that. That's the next The next verse, John 16, 33, Ian used this in his sermon a few weeks ago. I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but I have overcome the world. Romans 8, 28, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And finally, 1 Peter 1, 6 through 7, in all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials, These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, which is of greater worth than gold which perishes even though refined by the fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. See, fire brings refinement. God is working on something amazing in us through the fire, just like he did with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And when we can remember his vantage point compared to ours, we will live in worship, and that's contagious. Others will want what you have. They're watching to see how you respond. It's contagious when we respond in worship to God. So to wrap up, Jesus shows up in this story just like he has in the other three. He was the Yeshua leading us into the ultimate promised land from Ian's sermon three weeks ago. He was the sacrificial ram that showed up for us so we didn't have to die the death that we deserved. In the story of Abraham and Isaac. He was the servant leader. Leading them out of slavery. In our case it's our slavery to sin. And in our story today. He is the one in the fire with us. Who went through the ultimate furnace for us. 
I'm going to close with this. I've got an image of a painting I want to put up on the screen. If you were at high school camp, you might be familiar with this story, but I don't think they showed the picture there. Uh, Luke's birthday was middle of June during high school week, and so we went down to spend part of the day with, with them, and we stayed for chapel that night. And Matt Proctor from, uh, from Ozark Christian College was their speaker that week. And he shared a story about this painting called Checkmate. And it, uh, an intriguing painting was once displayed at the Louvre Art, Muse- Art Museum in France called Checkmate. This painting depicts two chess players. One is Satan, who appears arrogantly confident. And the other player is a man who looks forlorn. If Satan wins, he gets the man's soul. According to legend, a chess champion visited the museum once and after studying the painting, noticed that the arrangement of the chess pieces were incorrect. According to him, the devil who thought he was winning was in fact not. The man who thought he was losing was actually winning because according to the pieces left on the chessboard, his king had one more move left, which would make him the the winner of the game. He called the curator and they determined that the title didn't fit the scene because the forlorn looking player actually has the ability to defeat his opponent, though he obviously doesn't realize it. The painting is a lie. His king can still make another move. And our king, our God, who sits on his throne, had another move in the lives of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, in addition to Nebuchadnezzar and all those officials who were standing there watching. And our God, our king, has more moves in our life. He's still on his throne. He's got this. God is faithful. And because God is faithful, we can worship him. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you so much for the truth of your word. It promises us that you are still on your throne. You are with us at every step. Help us every day to remember your vantage point your position compared to ours. Thank you, God, for Jesus. As we see in all of these Old Testament stories, we see how Jesus shows up in some way, pointing people to the cross and the resurrection, which is where we're headed next week. Lord, thank you so much. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.